Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, episode 10, a selectbutton.net guide-in podcast. Uh, most weeks, what we do is we select three games at random, and then you get to vote on the one we play. But this week, because it's our 10th anniversary, uh, we actually uh, ran a, a contest so that people could pick a game for us. And we even have the, the person on, who picked the game on here, so that's really great. Anyway, um, once we pick a game and play it, we play it for an hour, and then we discuss it using the uh, five standardized and totally normal metrics for scoring a video game, which are gun... Vanity, Mystery, Poetry, and Harmony. Uh, I'm your host, Virtual Clint. I'm your co-host, Courier Rice. And I sound a little weird today, because I'm a little sick. And uh, today, we are joined by... It's me, Shrug, your deep space waifu with bulletproof clothes. It's a me, goddamn milkman. I'm one second before, I do not know how cars work. I'm Sakarina. I'm Talpa. And I'm Weimer. And you can thank me for... Picking this one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Weimer picked this game, and I'm I'm excited to do our first like picked game, our first curated game. So yeah, and as you can tell, this is going to be a raucous one because we've got eight people on this podcast. So uh, you know, have fun distinguishing between all of our voices. Um, <laughs> This week, we are playing the Weimar Chosen uh, F1 Race of Champions, which is also known as Exhaust Heat in uh, PAL regions and Japan as well. Um, surprisingly, it's a game about racing F1 cars around a track. I bet you were expecting something totally different. Um, it was released in 1992. It was developed and published by... S is it Sita? Seta? I don't know. SATA, I believe. SATA. That's very, very much nicer. Uh, in Europe, it was published by Ocean Software. I don't know how much that matters, but everywhere else is also published by said SATA. Um, and it's a, it's a Mode 7 racer. Uh, you race, you earn money to upgrade your car, and then you race some more. So that's basically what we played. Um, I only asked everyone to play an hour, um, but I guess how long did you play? How far did you get? Like, you know, what, how many races did you do, would you say? I played for about an hour. Um, in my foggy-headed state, uh, I had a lot of difficulty parsing this sort of maybe enthusiast of uh, Formula One racing type of game, but I uh, I got about four races in within the hour, uh, doing a bit miserably in terms of win results with all of them, but it was noisy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a noisy game. The engine sounds are different for every kind of engine you can put into your uh, game, and I guess we'll talk more about that in Vanity. That is actually neat. I did not, I, I did not know that. I did about an hour. Uh, I went into practice slapped a bunch of parts in a car pretty much arbitrarily other than I put the biggest engine in and the biggest nitro and then I was going too fast that was the first thing I did so I couldn't handle the car and I kept plowing off of the uh, racetrack so that was fun um, I also arbitrarily chose to just why not I chose to switch to the uh, mode where you steer with the shoulder buttons which crossed some wires in my head. 
because something in my brain, I guess from playing modern racing games, wants the uh, right shoulder button to be the accelerator. So when I was coming out of turns and wanted to hit the accelerator hard, I would instead turn right sharply over and over again. But my thumb would also go down too, so I would turn hard right and accelerate and fly off the track. So that kept happening. Um, and then I went and did some Grand Prix and never finished better than third, mostly because I kept doing those things and refused to go back and switch my controls. And you beat the game. And I beat myself. Uh and that's all that really matters. At least that's what I keep telling my dad. I actually want to talk about dads on this podcast, but anyway. <laughs> I think that's my favorite uh, genre of literature is man versus himself versus his dad. <laughs> that that classic trope. So, who, uh, Milkman, how long did you play this game? So, I played it... Probably a little over an hour. I didn't put myself on the clock like you do in the game. Um, but I mostly thought it was interesting because you're playing this Super Nintendo game that's obviously just a racing game, but like a straight, like trying to be a simulation game, which I don't think it quite pulled that trick. It To me, maybe I didn't get far enough, but to me, the stuff you could buy, it looked like they were clear upgrades. It wasn't like balancing parts and stats to reach an optimal build. It was just like, buy the better engine. And so money was effectively just a currency to level up. You just kind of choose how to level up, but eventually you'd hit peak car instead of hitting different kinds of builds for different needs for different tracks. And that's when the real of... Dark Souls begins, is when you hit peak car. <laughs> right! Yeah, I don't know. That that was just kind of my take. But the other thing that I thought while playing this, which I thought was interesting, is if you're looking to try to like be a video game reviewer, this would be a brilliant game to do a mock review of, because... It, there's it's like no frills and in, t- in today's day and age like it, you know it's such a look of the past whatever but mechanically you know graphically sound wise it's all there it, it's hidden all the peaks but like it doesn't really inspire much through the game the way i was playing it. and i thought it would, like i'm sure other people get more out of it but it just seems like one of those games that like trying to write a review of you'd be writing about this like thing that's mechanically solid but sense you know has been outmoded and it would be a great exercise to try to put yourself through for that so what i got out of that 10 out of 10 perfect score (laughs) if you're IGN. (laughs) all right how about you one second before how much do you play this game well like your standard video game reviewer i did play this game for one hour and uh (laughs) (laughs) it was uh well you know i did the practice mode and i did the campaign mode and all that stuff But uh, more importantly, I did do uh, my standard way of reviewing a racing game, uh, which is I checked to see if I could drive backwards, which I could. Uh, I checked to see if there was a little you're going backwards indicator, which uh, surprisingly there wasn't. I checked to see if I could crash into other cars. And uh, I'm happy to say that I was able to head on crash into a car and it made me spin out which I didn't know you could spin out in this game. The only way I made that happen was by crashing head on into a car. That happened to me multiple times. So yeah. I can attest yeah, to that. Definitely. 
Uh, that, that happens uh, when when you are pressing any turn button while hitting a car. <laughs> oh, fascinating. So, uh, yeah, I also tried to... Well, for listeners, there is a pit stop uh, in this game where you can go and get a guy to, like, a bunch of guys to tune up your car. And another thing I tried to do was drive into that backwards. And uh, they did let me do it, but the pit stop crew didn't arrive. Uh, they weren't ready for me to come in backwards. Uh, I think they were derelict in their duty, if you ask me, because at the point that you drive backwards through your pit stop, that's the point at which you most need a pit stop. So that's how <laughs> I mean, it's the same car. You bring it in, it's the same car. They should know what they're doing. They can't do it backwards, though. It messes up their muscle memory. <laughs> they're actually just like all me. just doing it by muscle memory. Yeah. yeah, they just put all of their rear tires on the front of your car. Yeah, it messes everything up. The engine ends up on the opposite side, then every time you try to turn left, you turn right. I mean, it fucks everything up. <laughs> You're right, I dodged a bullet there. Hey, Sakarina, how how far did you get? What did you do in this game? So I played it for about an hour, and I got halfway through the Grand Prix, which is pretty good. That means the game is about two hours long, which is a reasonable length for a Super Nintendo racing game, I'd imagine. And yeah, I had a great time with this game. I can't wait to get to the gun segment so we can hear all about Sakarina's uh, niche enthusiast, etc. because I think he might have the best take. I don't actually like F1. That's the worst part. <laughs> get off the podcast. How about you, Tolpa? I played this game for, I think, an hour and a half, and I did finish uh, a single season of the Grand Prix and raced an extra race in the second season of Grand Prix. Uh, otherwise, I played in the practice mode. I found the uh, secret ocean level. A I, lot of fun stuff. I really want to know about that, but we'll get to it. So here's some, some suspense for everyone. Tolpa sent uh, a screenshot of driving over the ocean, and uh, they, there's not any sprite layers or anything, any layers turned off, so that's just in the game. So we'll just have to see what that is. <laughs> the minus world. Yeah, stay tuned for the minus world in the mystery section. Um, now, Weimer, you're the one who suggested the game, so I assume that, that your answer is going to be something like an hour plus a lifetime. But <laughs> how much did, have you played uh, this F1 game? Um, well, not really a lot. It's, this game was pretty distinctly... This was, my, this was the game my dad got for himself, pretty much. And uh, so... And mostly it's been like watching him play and the times I play maybe doing a couple of races before getting pretty discouraged by uh, getting in the sixth place or something like that. But uh, for this time, uh, I actually uh, I dug through some boxes. I got out uh, my Super Nintendo, uh, the old cart. Got it plugged in with composite into a 1080p TV, looking real nice. And uh, yeah, played it for like the first time in I don't know how many years. But uh, no, I played like, I'd say maybe probably one and a half hours or something like that. And uh, it's actually right up until this podcast. And uh, it's actually paused in the, other in the other room right now. And I can't turn it off because the save game is the battery's out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you could you bring it in for it uh, for a little interview? Oh yeah, I could probably you know I'll plug this laptop and bring it in. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> 
Just ask what I, it has to say about the experience with you. I think this is the first time anyone's actually played on real hardware for this podcast. Yeah, I was about to say that. That's This is the first time we've had real hardware. So, uh, so nice. Two records here. Love it. <laughs> Wait a minute. You mean to say that everyone else has been emulating and I've just been spending tens of thousands of dollars on extremely rare carts? <laughs> <laughs> Hate to break it to you, Tulpa. <laughs> Did you send in uh, all the mayonnaise cans? Uh, I sent in some Dodgy Nomoto mayonnaise cans to a Japanese company, and uh, I didn't get anything back. Oh, yet. I sent in all the mayonnaise cans to uh, Electronic Arts, and they gave me this game. <laughs> I sent all the mayonnaise cans to uh, a local government official, and they, 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 I am actually under investigation by the FBI now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I played, I want to say about an hour and a half, um, because I, I need to get better at this because all I did was play Grand Prix and I didn't do anything wacky. I just drove straight and tried to do as best as I can. <laughs> so, but I, I got about halfway through the Grand Prix. I did do a test, uh, a test run on the Japanese track, which is the very last track. And I, I did that specifically because I wanted to see the rain effect, um, which is really just, uh, slightly darker than the sun effect with some lines coming down the screen. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so, and, and I ended up, I did okay. I, the highest I ever got was second. Um, the lowest I ever got though was fifth. So I feel like I'm, you know, middling on that, which is, is pretty interesting, but, uh, but we'll, I, I'll get to the reasons why I, feel like I wasn't able to succeed on this game. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, Weimer, I meant to do this earlier. Do you mind if I read what you sent me on uh, on Twitter about why you wanted to pick this game? Oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. Cool. So what, what you, uh, since you're on the podcast, this maybe is a little odd, but I'm going to read your words back to you. Uh, <laughs> it was one of seven SNES games we owned and was the one that my dad had bought for his own F1 enjoyment, which you mentioned. I uh, never even played it much myself, being rather intimidated by the huge menus. There are a lot of menus in this game. Uh, while it is a pretty no-frills racing game, I know that this is the only opportunity I'll ever get to have three to five other people acknowledge its, its existence, and I'm taking it. And you got you got seven other people, so good job. Um, good job. I forgot to share these with people, too. You sent some tips about uh, weird things you could do with the second controller. Um, I think we'll we'll talk about that in mystery because they're very mysterious. Um, but I forgot to send that to anybody because I'm a terrible podcast host. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but now that we've got everybody's... We, we know how much everybody played. Let's talk about our first topic, which is gun. There's only so many times I can make a gun in your engines joke, so I don't have any jokes for this one. But what did people think of the the gun in this game? What were your thoughts about, uh, you know, how it played, how it felt, how you shot people in the game, or whatever? Um, what's what's your thoughts? So uh, we played Drift King before, and that game was all about the drifting. This racing game, as far as I could tell, does not have the drift. So I think this game could be better titled Drift Popper. <laughs> Drift peasants. <laughs> Do people drift in Formula One racing? I have my doubts. <laughs> Formula One racing feels like more serious than uh, than drifting around. It's like you gotta stick to the track. You gotta make those corners. But I don't know anything about Formula One racing. Like I have seen 
five minutes of one race. And so my impression is that it's a bunch of people in a line on a narrow winding track trying to pass each other without dying. That's my only experience with F1. That certainly reflects my experience with playing this game. Based on this game, I get the impression that Formula One racing is about strapping yourself into a, a tiny, fragile car that's falling apart as you drive it and uh, hurtling yourself around a, a track at hundreds of miles an hour and hoping you don't die. I've got a really uh, out of left field interpretation of this, j- just to just to really get everyone's uh, c- creative thinking going. Uh, what if we're not actually racing on a track on flat land? We're actually just falling. <laughs> and you're just directing your fall in circles. <laughs> yes. I love down well. That, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, but did anyone else notice that uh, every time you buy uh, that tires are one purchase only? Like uh, that pisses me off so much. It made sense to me since. Oh, I remember ahead. that from the from the manual. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, we, I can't couldn't can't find the manual for this game anymore. But I distinctly remember that after every race, uh, your uh, your tires wear out, so you always have to buy new ones. So that's why. You always, after a race, your t- your whatever high-end tires you buy, they turn into spare tires. So that's constant cost. Just like IRL, because it's simulationist-ish. Yeah, I think that's the the main takeaway from this game. Like mechanically, is it is it it has a simulationist bent. Like you know, Drift King was sort of simulationist, um, but not really. Like it wasn't. It wasn't really into the, like the hard mechanics of it. It was a little bit goofier, um, you know. So this this definitely leans more towards that. It, it's almost like that's the only thing they cared about. Is is what my uh, interpretation of it is. Is like they really just cared about getting certain things right. Um, the thing that pissed me off though, because I bought Nitro on my very first race, because you start with like a thousand dollars, which is not enough to do anything useful. So I bought Nitro, and then I didn't use any of it because I was just like. I, I didn't. I was doing bad enough that I didn't feel like it was worth wasting it. Next race, Nitro's gone. Just gone. Like, what? Why? I didn't use it. So I was very confused about the Nitro because, you know, I that was the first thing I bought because, you know, it works great in the Fast and Furious. But in this game, it does not operate in the same way. So they failed to simulate uh, what I'm sure is the extremely realistic depiction in Fast and the Furious. But... I think that uh, the way Nitro works, because I couldn't figure out how to engage it at all. There's no button that does it. I think that uh, it just automatically does it when you like hit top speed. I think it just like s- sends the Nitro into your engine, and so you just use it up immediately at the start of the race every time. Oh, no, no. Uh, the A button controls Nitro, and the B button is the regular accelerate. Yeah, it uh yeah, I think it only activates when you are already at max speed in fourth gear. Oh but... no, that's also not true. What? Can you just uh, bump like bump yourself up to max speed real quick by slamming the nitro at the beginning of the race? I think yeah, that's, that's what I did. I think I was just driving by pressing the nitro button. Yeah, that would explain it. And uh that's actually like something that I did for most of the races myself on purpose uh, because I made the mistake of buying an engine that emphasized uh, top speed over acceleration. And 
to bring this back to something goddamn Milkman said earlier, uh, there's actually a pretty significant difference uh, in uh, your engine choices. Some of them emphasize acceleration and some of them emphasize speed. And it feels very severe uh, one way or the other. So there's that. There's, it's not just leveling up. See, that's interesting because I definitely did not notice that, but I only ever got two engines. I was saving up for the $10,000 engine just to get the top one, so maybe that's my problem. Plus, I don't ever really know how to, like, read the graphs and stuff, so maybe if I'd been paying more attention. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, with the games like this that it's dangerous to pick the upgrades without, like, really researching them, which I chose not to do, because it... Uh, you can end up with a wildly different feeling car. And that means that all the turns that I suddenly figured out how to do changed entirely in their timing and their execution, if you will, I think. My pro tip for turning in this game is to always buy special tires. They're $350. And I found that the impact that they had on my ability to turn made up for the cost of $350 per race because I was gaining more money out of my higher position than I was from that. Uh, so that's like my tip if you're going to play this game, buy the special tires every single race. Because I think seriously, like that is the most significant upgrade that I found in the entire game. Actually, like... Uh... In races where the it's raining on the track, it's better to buy rain tires. So special tires are not always the superior choice. I never had a rainy track. I got halfway through GP and it was all sunshine. Uh, so, what, what? Yeah, I didn't. I did. I had to go into practice or test or whatever and specifically pick rain because I never saw it. I think uh, I got rain in Great Britain, and I just assumed it was a statement about like. Britain's weather in general, but I guess that was just a coincidence. I, that happened to me too, and I thought it was totally intentional. Oh, I was just going to ask, how early is Great Britain? Because I, I forget which ones I actually raced on. I think Great track. Britain is... The, oh, yeah. Okay. I uh, encountered rain on the fourth track in Brazil, so I don't know if it's predictable, but yeah, so I... I went in always hoping, well, I hope I don't need the rain tires for this because I don't know what I need. I never had any oh, well. money to spend on upgrades because, as I said before, I fucked my brain up with my control um, going for the alternate control mode and was constantly flying off the track and slamming into walls, so I would damage myself severely. And then, because there's no, as far as I can tell, there's no reverse, and you kind of have to grind on the wall to get yourself back out um, inelegantly. Anyway, I would have too much damage to my vehicle and place too low to get enough cash to make up for it. And couldn't afford anything coming out. So that was fun. Basically, I suck at video games. This game is hard, though. Like, I <clears throat> I was reading YouTube comments because I hate myself. And um, the first comment on the Let's Play, or one of the Let's Plays of this game, was like, the first race is probably the hardest... And it's almost random. Like, you can end up in sixth one race and then do just as well and end up second the next race. Um, and I found that to be true. Like, I, I lucked out on the second race and got, like, third, I think, which was enough to get me the next engine upgrade, which made all the difference. But if I hadn't been able to get, like, a relatively good 
placing early on, I think I would have had the same experience, especially with damage. Like, it's this game is hard, and it feels random to me. Like, it feels like <clears throat> the the cars, sometimes they're way better than you, the opponent cars, and sometimes, like, it's really easy to get second. Um, like, it's not even a challenge at all. But, you, you know, sometimes with the same setup, and I'm doing pretty well in the race, I didn't even see first, second, or third at all. It, it passed the start of the race. They zoomed off, and I never saw them again. And I, I could see them on the track, and they're, like, halfway around. So it, this game is very hard. Well, some of the tracks I just found easier. Like, I was getting better as I progressed, and I don't know if I was, you know, just adjusting to my poor choice of control schemes or what have you. But like my last couple of races, I was actually placing decently and I was finding that I could actually, you know, get through the turns without having to feather way off of my accelerator. So I don't know if those tracks just happen to be more manageable with a closer to stock car or if my skills were improving or what. I uh, I also found this game very difficult. And in order to uh, soothe my, my fragile ego, I uh, decided that instead of getting first place, I was going to uh, get myself a nemesis and just aim to beat that nemesis every round. So my nemesis I chose uh, arbitrarily was R. Pacula. One of the other players is named R. Pacula. And I chose him because... It kind of sounds like if uh, Count Dracula decided to go into F1 racing but wanted to like cleverly disguise his name, he'd go by R. Pacula. So I did manage to beat him a decent number of times because he was always like sixth place. So that made me feel better. He should have only run night races. <laughs> uh, one thing I found while reading about this game was that apparently the writers of Famitsu uh, said that this is uh, like F-Zero easy mode. Uh, so I... I haven't actually played any of the original F-Zero, but... Uh, that... Damn, hot take Japan. Yeah, so yeah. you're all being called out by Famitsu right now. I'm comfortable with that. F-Zero's all getting miserably hard very quickly. <laughs> it's funny because in my notes I have, this game feels a lot like F-Zero with regards to the top speed and acceleration uh, compared to something like Mario Kart. And I find it kind of funny because as soon as we announced which game was going to be played on this podcast in the discord, there was a question like, aren't all mode seven racers basically the same. And I'd like to hear people's answer to that question. Now that they've played this one, because I feel like F zero and this one are so much higher, uh, so much more demanding mechanically from you as the player than something like Mario Kart or drift King. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Mario Kart has a maximum speed of, what, two miles per hour? <laughs> well, I disagree, though. I mean, something in Mario Kart, you have more mechanics. Therefore, it is more mechanically demanding. And, I mean, it, yeah, the top speed's less or whatever. That's to balance out the game. So it's more about the game than the hardcore racing action. It's a different thing. It's like arcade racers versus simulation in giant air quotes well in this game i actually found that this was mechanically demanding it like expected me to figure out like what the right lines on all of the tracks are and uh qualify uh myself into a good position so that i don't start off like right at the back and never manage to catch up during the actual race 
there's a lot of mechanical demands despite the seeming simplicity of just like not being able to uh, drift and do all of the mechanical things you could do in an arcade racer. And I, I would I see I had, I had the opposite experience because I was fairly mediocre at this game and I'm not good at like figuring out what the proper line is and then recreating that in second and third laps. I'm really bad at that. But I still managed to play second on a regular basis. So I feel like this one's weird because if you're really good at the one thing that it's focused on, which is handling your car and getting on the right line, then you will place first, you will do well. But if you're only mediocre, you'll still do relatively well. Like, I don't know, it's just odd. Like, because I didn't feel like this was a very challenging game, but I also never got first. I just figured that first was basically out of my reach. Like, I, and I would say that F-Zero... F-Zero is a very mechanically demanding game, but it's also, like, the handling in that game is so much faster, and it's so much about dodging other cars and dodging obstacles and things like that. It feels very different to me. The line there is a lot blurrier because you're dealing with a lot of other shit at the same time. Um... But yeah, I, I'm interested because like I didn't find this game mechanically demanding, but I also wasn't paying that much attention because I just couldn't focus on like getting it right the second and third time, you know? <laughs> well, also like in Mario Kart or literally any racing game, once you are in first, you're in first and the game becomes somewhat easier because you have less noise to deal with and less obstacles, i.e. the other cars. So I don't know. You have to find a line on any track in any racing game. Like that's what makes it a racing. But it also feels like the opponent vehicles in this game are sort of grouped up. So like the top three positions are always way ahead of the second uh, of like the fourth to sixth positions and so on and so on. They're all separated like that. That makes it really easy to actually get fourth place on every race. Like I haven't ever been lower than fourth place because it's just so easy to stay at fourth place and then there's nothing around you for ages. Whereas actually breaking into the top three is a significant challenge I found. And there's no rubber banding in this game, which means that like if you're in front of them, the rest of the enemies just stay back for the entire race, which is nice, I guess. It's weird because I, I ended up in some sometimes the same situation where I would just not see any other cars for basically days. And like, but I ended up getting second a lot. Second was my like position of choice. The first person, the first player, almost always ended up way the fuck ahead of me. Like it was, it was ridiculous. I feel like we all had very different experiences with this game, which is a bit shocking to me. I averaged a uh, third play game, but one thing I noticed is that uh, if you're like me and actually terrible at video games, uh, you will uh, get into first place and then lose first place because you keep crashing into things. <laughs> yeah, I did do a lot of crashing. <laughs> I mostly lost my position when the uh whenever I had to overtake someone, because the, the cars, they, well, they don't exactly let you through very, very good. So uh, whenever I would really lose my place, I would just, I would be passing him and come into a turn, he would just slam into me and I go spinning out and uh, go right off the track. Yeah, I feel like the, the AI racers are, if not aggressive, very unpredictable. Um, it was like a lot of, I, I mean, I, I would be in second, and then the asshole in third would ram the back of my car, and I'd fucking <laughs> careen into a wall. It's just, just 
terrible. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, and they're really hard to pass. Like they'll make these maneuvers that you can't do. They will slide from the middle of the track to the right side of the track and then continue on like making the corner that you're currently doing. Like it's it's a bit ridiculous. The AI racers are uh terrifying to try and pass cuz you never know what they're going to do. Are you That's... telling me that they can drift? They can't actually drift, uh, but th it's hard to tell what they're doing because of how the uh, how the sprites look in this game. They're they're a little rudimentary, um, but I have found that like uh, the AIs uh, are just programmed to follow their specific line, and uh, their placement is not espe especially random per track. One thing I found, though, is that sometimes you can find a line that uh, the AIs will never use. Like, uh, anytime you're on a track with, uh, with uh, like, a hairpin uh, turn, you can just cut through the grass and save, like, 10 seconds. <laughs> I never noticed that. That's great. <laughs> um, we had mentioned uh, tires and losing the tires every time. Um which I didn't notice. I bought special tires and thought I had them forever, so whatever. Um, but I, the weird thing that I noticed was that every time you started a Grand Prix, you lost $1,000. Or if you had less than $1,000, you lost all your money. Uh, it was weird. I would lose it. Well, no, it wasn't when you started the... Because the, you, have, you have the qualifier race, and then you have the actual race. The qualifier is just going around on your own trying to make the best time and then that determines your place in the actual race between the qualifier and the actual race i always lost a thousand dollars and i don't know why because you pay to participate in the race obviously gotta pay to play i guess but it doesn't say that anywhere if i'd have known that there was something i was gonna buy but i was like no i'm gonna save up for the next race and then I ended up getting fourth or whatever and uh and i didn't have enough money but i was like what where is it going i just wish it told you that because it confused the hell out of me are you sure you it's don't... not just the damage penalty? Yeah, absolutely. Because you get the damage penalty after the real race, and this always happened between the qualifier and the race. Yeah, you you always lose a thousand dollars. If you d get damaged during the qualifiers, you lose more than a thousand dollars. Good God! Yeah, the damage penalties on this are huge. Like you can hit. I think basically every time you take damage, it's like one point, and every point is like two hundred fifty bucks or something like that. That seemed about right. Oh, I didn't realize that's how it worked. Um, at one point, I tried to take full damage. I wanted to see if I could like die or get my car to explode or something. And I got it fully in the red all the way, max damage, and I did not explode, so I was very disappointed. What was the penalty then? Oh, I don't know. I actually didn't realize that it took money off, but I, I mean, I'm sure I got zeroed out by that. So that brings up the question of, of the pit stops. So you, I never did a pit stop. If you do a pit stop in the middle of the race, does that... Because you, if your car doesn't actually go slower or explode if you do a bunch of damage to it, what's the point? The only point I can think is that you get less of a damage penalty at the end of the race. Is that correct? If yeah. your car doesn't explode, what's the point? That's what I'm saying. Just in general. But yeah, that's that's what the pit stops are for. They get rid of uh, the damaged car, so you don't get a damage penalty. But instead, you trade off like ten seconds of your of your uh, top time. Pit stop seems to make more sense uh, in real. I think in real Formula One, but I think they they're like they race like seventy laps uh, 
in uh, when it's only three laps it really doesn't ever seem worth it <laughs> wow that's a lot of laps i had no idea <laughs> it's worth it if you have at least 10 seconds lead on the car behind you uh, otherwise it is not at all worth it yeah that never happened to me i was never that far ahead of anybody <laughs> maybe i'm actually good at this game and everyone else is bad i mean it sounds like it um what else did i have hey, you know what i i really did like the the cycle of upgrading your car though like i could see myself actually playing this game more um in, in terms of like racing and seeing what the different engines do seeing what the different tires and all the other you know upgrades do and and trying to get better at it like it's a pretty interesting game um i i, I did find it a bit of a compulsive thing because every time I, I would finish a race i'd be like mm, i'll do one more you know which is which was interesting yeah, I really liked the upgrades in this game because uh, there's a lot of actual choices on what you want to upgrade. Like, the engines are by far the best thing you can upgrade. Uh, they basically determine where you will place in all of the later races. But uh, other than that, like, uh, the small improvements you can eke out by just adjusting how your car handles uh, felt wonderful to me. Now, here's... Oh, go ahead, Courier. I was just going to say video games are bullshit, that's all. You should just say that once for every podcast, at least. <laughs> um, so I noticed that there's no button that allows you to uh, reverse your car, like to, you know, drive in reverse, which a lot of racing games have that button. And I remember on Drift King, I was like questioning why that button is there. I didn't really miss it here, but I was wondering, do Formula One cars in real life not have reverse? I don't know if you are aware, but Formula One cars are actually made out of sharks, and the, and sharks cannot go backwards. Oh, that's why they have to keep moving in order to keep breathing, too. Exactly. That's also why they also uh, eat the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, Formula One cars use semi-automatic sequential gearboxes, with regulations stating that eight forward gears and one reverse gear must be used with rear-wheel drive. So, yeah, there you go. This so much for simulation. Yeah. So so the cars are actually like they work as automatics in actual Formula One because that was one of the things that I was confused about. Like they emphasized uh, gear switching in the control screen, but you never really have to do that. Yeah, I was going to mention that because it's an automatic car always, but then you can shift gears down or up as you please in addition, which is really weird. So I guess, yeah, like... Formula One. I don't know what a semi-automatic sequential gearbox is, though, frankly, because I've only ever heard of manual or automatic. I, I thought semi-automatic was really restricted to guns. <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I was wondering about that gear shifting. I couldn't figure out what the point of it was at all. I kind of tried downshifting on big turns, and uh, it helped me turn, but it also lowered my speed a crazy amount. But the other thing was that uh, when you're in the different gears, uh, your engine sounds different. So I did have some fun like uh, making music by shifting gears around. <laughs> I love the way you play racing games. It's amazing. <laughs> That's like the only way I play them. So let, we're going to learn a bit about cars here. A semiotic transmission is an automobile transmission that does not change gears automatically, but rather facilitates manual gear changes by dispensing with the need to press a clutch pedal at the same time as changing gears. So you don't have to press the clutch, you just shift it, um, but it's not automatic. You do still have full manual control over it. So there you go. Somebody upgrade their, get their gears? Because you can have like seven shift. Oh shit! I got up to six. 
Yeah, I got up to six. Uh, I found that made uh, downshifting to take hairpin turns a, a lot more reasonable because you don't lose as much speed that way. Interesting. I didn't get. I didn't actually buy any of those. The, actually, that's one thing. Uh, well, when I, I remember when playing this when, when younger was actually that the the top three upgrades you can do in the menu. They're actually you have to scroll up to them. You can upgrade the chassis. I saw the brakes and the gear shift, and and it really took me a long while to actually notice those three at the top. So uh, you just blew my mind. I did not know you could upgrade the. I did not ever scroll up. <laughs> oh yeah, there's not much indication for that. I just scrolled up expecting that it would wrap over to the end button, and then I was like, oh, there's more stuff I can upgrade. That's nice. I actually didn't notice the list of things you can upgrade on the left. I th- I thought that you just like scroll through parts until uh, uh, you uh, return to the beginning. I was very confused about the interface of this game. I feel like having more than four gears is just basically having an argument with someone about Dragon Ball Z. Like, no, there's there's a there's a stage beyond Super Saiyan Four. There's now there's the Blue Saiyan or something. I should note, uh, Clint glossed over this when talking about semi-automatic transition, but it can also be known as flappy paddle gear shift. (laughs) Now that's something you would hear in the sports manga. I got that flappy paddle gear shift, motherfuckers. I'm going to flap this paddle all all night. Oh my god, he's using flappy paddle gear shift. We should also note that there are many levels past Super Saiyan, so come on now. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there's the Flappy Paddle saying, yes, I, yes. I hope Flappy Paddle gear shift becomes like the Flappy Bird racing game that they're going to do someday. Oh, that's a good name. That's a good name for a racing game that's basically one button and you die a lot. I like it. My search for Flappy Paddle gear shift rap genius is not getting me anything, sadly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of good names, uh... This game, uh, the English name, uh, F1 Race of Champions, is very dull, but Exhaust Heat is a great title for a racing game. Unfortunately, I think that it implies a very different genre. Exhaust Heat makes it sound a little more punchy, a little more fantastic, maybe. A little sexier. Yeah, whereas F1 ROC makes it sound very much like the enthusiast game it might be. It sounds more of a dad game that way. Yeah, I've been thinking about this as a dad game. Um, Maybe we could talk about this being a dad game in poetry, because there's not much to talk about in poetry, I think. Does anyone remember when there was, uh, and this isn't related to the Super Nintendo, but it's adjacent-ish, no, very far away, actually, but there uh, there was a new car game coming out, and in the making of it, it was just called Next Car Game. And when it came out, it was called Next Car Game. Like, I think they just gave up on titling it. And if any, I, like, or actually, I don't know what the situation was, but it, it, that always struck me as, like, the most the most directly to your audience thing I could ever, that I could ever hear someone say. That's uh, that's just like Snakes on a Plane, what happened with that, where they put the name of the movie out there on the internet as a, like when it was a spec script or whatever, and people loved it so much they just had to title the movie that way. Amazing. I think that 
next car game is on the opposite side of the scale from beamng.drive, which is the least illustrative name of any game ever. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yet, beamng.drive seems almost appropriate for a game with that level of doctor-like precision and empowerment where you can control every little thing it might as well sound like something science fictiony this is true yeah you want to talk about simulationists i'm going to load up beamng.drive what are their uh, oh go ahead sorry and yet i get the impression from people who play beamng.drive that actually driving around on a race course is not something anyone does in that game you just Never. smash cars together. Yeah, I just have smashed so many cars together. <laughs> they should uh, backport BeamNG.Drive to the Super Nintendo. I would <laughs> love a BeamNG D-Make, but then it would have, like, Star Fox graphics, and can you picture that being at all parsable? It would be it a complete better. abstract mess. It is better yeah. that it is not parsable, as in most things in life. Just mashing together mode 7 textures. I like that idea, actually. I mean, from what I have seen, beamng.drive just turns into a bunch of mode 7 textures intersecting at odd angles uh, if you play with it for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe they're using secret mode 7 technology still deep under the hood of beamng. It's mode 8. <laughs> oh, man. Whoa. Incredible. Uh, roll these years finally got it finally got that mode 8 we've been looking for next Half-Life 3 alright um, what other gun notes do we have I'm pretty much well I, I guess I guess the game just feels fast like it does if it has anything in common with F-Zero it feels fast and I feel like I do have to slow down around corners to make sure I don't careen off the track like a, an idiot um, so that's my kind of final like gun note. Um, it feels like a good fast game, but do we have any more gun stuff to talk about with this game? Um, I I was wondering if it was just because I uh, am a fool and was using the beastness accuracy core in RetroArch. Uh, did anyone else experience really severe slowdown anytime uh, there was like more than two cars on screen? Yes. yes. Yes, every time a race started, the the beginning of the race was a uh, a struggle to push out beyond the other racers, which, if anything, is fascinatingly metaphorical in in a in a way that has no uh, actual uh, you know meaning. So on actual hard hardware, uh, it doesn't slow down, uh, Weimer. Well, no, not on the this the PAL version, which you know it's slower than all the others than the American one, I would guess. But no, I mean it might be hard to tell because I think I mean playing this game, I'm pretty much running on nostalgia. So whatever this game does, that's it's like it's the right thing. It's I don't see, I don't really see anything really wrong with the game. I, I, I mean, I just see it that oh, that's the way it is because that's what I, I learned as a, when I, when I was little. But I really don't. No, I don't. I wouldn't say it slowed down at all. 
I could at least say that for a kid, it could seem natural because it's the very start of the race. And so it could appear that they're just um, at a very slow acceleration to start with. But it's definitely from what I played, like you're going like a pixel at a time in the beginning, trying to just get past the horde of cars that are clogging up the system. And then it once you're on your own, it's nice and smooth. And gave me time to admire those little canopies. I always like to admire canopies. The only reason I really noticed, Ashley, was because of how I would re-race uh, using up as... Uh, I would emulate the other cars in this game and use up as much nitrous as possible just to get in front of everyone. Uh, and at the start of the race, it takes a very long time. But when I'm like alone on a track, I can go from zero to uh, 360, 360 kilometers per hour in like two seconds with nitrous. Yeah, the only reason I noticed any slowdown was because there was at least one race where there were three other cars on the screen that were not right at the beginning, because I did just think the cars accelerated very slowly. But then, suddenly, the whole game slows down when I see three other cars. I was like, oh, no! Um, which was interesting. There was a, a fair amount of slowdown then, but, yeah. I could see interpreting that as just the way that the game is, though, too, yeah, so. I mean, I, I actually mean, don't mind it, because uh, when there are other cars on screen, I want the game to go slower so I don't crash into them every three seconds. I will really need to emulate this F1 uh, uh, American version. That sounds very weird. Yeah. I've got a better idea. Let's all just go over to your house, Weimer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, just come out to Sweden. It's nice time. It's really not nice this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got... It's, that, it's the purge time of year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't know they did the purge there. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, every year. Right on time. <laughs> get close to, to Christmas and purge season. All right. Um, what else we got? Any other gun stuff? Raise your hand. <laughs> I love Trivain. I'm just going to say that. Like, I really enjoy that the physics completely change for driving in the rain. The only time I drove in the rain, I bought rain tires, and it felt exactly the same to me. <laughs> No, yeah. even with rain tires, it's different. Yeah, I, that was the thing. I, 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 I try to, you know, really get into these all the upgrades and such, but it really never felt much different. Uh, whatever, whenever I changed, I know one thing. Uh, whenever you drive, you probably a lot of you know uh, might have noticed that you kind of make sparks out of the car, and it's, it kind of wobbles around. I think I remember from the uh, manual that if you adjust your car a bit you can actually avoid that by changing by changing the various parts and the spoilers and stuff but uh that's not supposed to happen having sparks fly out of it i see i i was wondering about that because i'm like this is sort of a an odd graphical flair for a game that's supposed to be somewhat simulationist so yeah it makes sense that that's not supposed to be happening to your car <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering about that, too. And I was also wondering, like, in real life, do Formula One racers' cars just have, like, big sparklers on the back of them with just, like, sparks careening off of them as they drive? I would love that. I think more people would watch F1 if that was the case. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I did want to, uh, actually, because Saturina mentioned it, 
uh, you know, uh, I also don't care about F1 racing. So I was surprised how much I enjoyed this game because uh, uh, it's not like it's not exciting. Not Chuck Rock. <laughs> yeah, no, I was surprised as well. Um, I was surprised that I, I enjoyed the game as much as I did because it's it's second to NASA in terms of racing things I don't care about. <laughs> Sorry, NASCAR. NASA? Fuck. <laughs> Whoa, Clint, you just like shot up in uh, volume. Oh shit! Really? Oh weird. What I I didn't mean to say NASA. I was trying to say NASCAR. <laughs> NASA racing would be really really interesting. Oh, that would race be for the galaxy. Clint is a space race truther. Yep. <laughs> I think part of why I enjoyed this game so much is that the tracks are really well uh, laid out, which makes sense because from what I understand, they're all just real F one tracks uh, uh, ported directly into the game. Yeah, I think they are. But uh, for a minute there, and I mean, I only know that because I looked it up, but like for a minute there while I was playing it, um, I definitely thought that the tracks were meant to be shaped like the countries that they represented. <laughs> because some of them, like the Japan track, almost looks like it's shaped like Japan. That's adorable. That's wonderful. <laughs> and Italy is actually just uh, a, a squished circle. That's how I remember it. That's my U.S. education showing through. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm happy. Italy moving. is oh. actually a pizza that someone accidentally dropped while trying to prepare. And then they shot all the toppings off. But did they put mayonnaise on it? Mayonnaise. I ate a mayonnaise. I, I didn't eat a mayonnaise sandwich. I ate a sandwich with mayonnaise on it just before this podcast. So I could be truly, truly prepared. I thought we'd turned you off mayo forever. Turns out it was temporary. <laughs> Stay tuned for later in this episode when Clint puts an entire spoonful of motor oil in his mouth. Yep, I got it right here. I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm happy to move on to Vanity if everybody else is. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. I'm back. All right, so let's talk about our, our next topic. We're going to move on from Gun, and we're going to move on to Vanity. Uh, so this game was sort of uh, it, it had its own uh, style to it, but I wish there was more variety. That's kind of my overall takeaway. But what do we have to say about Vanity in this game? This game had incredible music and none of it played during the races. And I know that maybe they wanted to capture that realism where the people on the track aren't trying to distract themselves. They're just trying to focus on but I just, I really wanted all those really cool tunes to be playing during the races. I have it on good authority that the majority of F1 racers listen to Kid Rock's Ba with the Ba on repeat throughout their races. Do you want that experience? Yes. It would be better than the engine sounds. Oh. I understand (laughs) now. Uh... The only reason there's no music during the race races is because they couldn't afford to license a Kid Rock song in the mid '90s. <laughs> Prior Who to could? it being recorded, probably they would have had to pay for studio time for Kid Rock, oh my and God. then convert it to the SNES. And uh... do you know how 
difficult and expensive it is to take Kid Rock and swish him down and put him inside the cart. <laughs> no, they. Well, they... it was difficult in the '90s, but it's really affordable and easy now. Well, that's because he's so old; he shrunk anyway. So, slam. All right. You know, Kid Rock is uh, running for office now. Soon, that shit's gonna be our national anthem. Ba to the ba ba ba. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about Kid Rock ever. But this is that it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. This game had really good music though. And it had some really good samples. Um like the, the, the when you're in the mechanics, I guess, but you know, when you're upgrading your car, kinda sounds like some percussion from like slamming together uh equipment. Like that was really neat. Like it it's got good music and yeah, you'd never hear it. I'm sorry to shift away from music so suddenly, but I just want to say while well, I remember that also uh the the screen of buying parts and stuff where every time you buy a part and it, you watch as it disassembles the car and puts in the new part and reassembles the car it is so cool looking yeah, i noted I that down that. T- i noted that down too i love that too the yeah. best part is when you change the chassis and you get every single piece yeah. off and put back in oh, i wish i'd gotten that far that would be really cool to see. Yeah, I was yeah, really rewarding. Yeah, I was deeply impressed with that. Like the yeah, it, it takes off every part that you need to to get to whatever part you're replacing, and then that re- like flies in, and then it puts everything back together. Like that kind of sold that sold me on the game uh, almost immediately. Like as soon as I bought the second engine, which was in like the second race, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like yeah, it, it gave me that like. That feeling of being a kid and being like, oh, I get to see the inside of something, like a clear Mac. It was almost like watching like a super robot uh, assemble itself, like in a like in a, a Getter show or a Power Rangers show. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh, that one Tumblr that's just like things fitting into other things perfectly. That's like very satisfying to see. That one gets, it gets, that, that particular Tumblr gets... It gets creepy after a couple of pages. I don't know why. I also find it really satisfying, but then you keep seeing it, and there's something wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a, a form of pornography in a weird way. Things should not fit that well together. I want to believe that actually the uh, the, the things fitting together nicely Tumblr no. is actually a, a creepy pasta. That just slowly as you go on, it slowly descends into madness. You're fitting things together and you just see in garbled text, spaced out improperly with bad kerning. Isn't it nice? (laughs) This hole was made for me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Don't you wish this could be your life? Don't you wish anything in it fit together like this? It never will. If it does, it's really irritating if something fits together too well and then you will never be able to separate them. Yeah, that's actually true. I get that feeling sometimes when I look at this and I'm like, you know, you put a, like, I don't know, a tin of chewing tobacco in the middle of a roll of duct tape. And I'm like, you're never getting that out again. Like, that's it's fucking in there forever now. <laughs> oh, maybe that's the subconscious creepiness of seeing too many pages of that Tumblr is just seeing all those things that will never be extricated from each other. 
Unless you're willing to destroy one or both of those things. Exactly. You got to like use all the duct tape and then cut the cardboard thing and then you can chew your tobacco, but not before then. I don't know why chewing tobacco in a duct tape roll. I don't think that would actually fit. <laughs> um, okay, so so yeah, the card disassembling itself and reassembling it was really cool. You know what's weird about the music, and maybe this was the emulation, but it looped poorly. Like it always seemed like there was just a quarter beat between when the song ended and when it started again. Like it was really odd. Did anybody else notice that? Nope, just me. <laughs> I, I think I think maybe at, at least the title screen uh, music uh, I think has that kind of when it's looped. Yeah, yeah. It, I it was just really weird. Like even on the the building your car thing, I it it irritated me. But I'm really sensitive to like uh, those minor little off beats in music. It drives me up the wall. So, <laughs> um, Clint's really sensitive. I'm a big sensitive flower. Did the music not fit together well? Did not fit together well is the opposite of that tumbler. Just <laughs> enough to be irritating. <laughs> what it irritated me was that all the courses pretty much look exactly the same. I mean, I guess it is a Super Nintendo racing game, so what can you do? But like it was all the um every course has a different like background that you see and you know as you're driving, but I mean, it was like, wow, I can tell I'm in Italy because there's bushes. Ooh, I'm in uh, Britain because there's a, a like, stand in the background with audience members in it. Yeah. This place thinks it's so great with its audience members. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching. I think it's kind of normal because if you look at F1 tracks, they basically all look the same in real life as well. Um, there were a couple like tracks that stood out. I think Portugal and Mexico stood out to me because they didn't look exactly, exactly the same like all the other ones. Uh, and I didn't have the time to go through all the second half of the courses to go see if there were any others like that. But yeah, like F1 tracks are pretty samey in general. So it's just accurately recreating them. And I think it's just unfortunate that the Super Nintendo is sort of limited. So they can't really go any further in trying to add little details that make each one stand apart. See, I wish, though, that like they'd chosen different palettes or something, because it's always the same time of day. The grass is always exactly the same color. You know, everything is the same and like yeah it's a super nintendo game there's not a whole lot of room to add like extraneous details um but i just that's the one thing that really started to grind with me is that i felt like every course looked exactly the same and there wasn't anything interesting to look at while i was playing like even when it rains they don't change the cloud texture it's the same cloud uh graphics at the top they're just slightly darker which i thought was really disappointing <laughs> Actually, yeah. my favorite thing about the rain is that it doesn't stop if you pause the game. I noticed that too. I love it. When oh, yeah. you pause, everything is frozen except the rain keeps going. These tears are lost like time in rain. <laughs> you alright there? <laughs> time to pause. <laughs> is that my farm Formula One car dying? <laughs> yep, that's it. That's the yeah, speech yes. at the end. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's I've actually, seen things. That's actually what happens when you uh, hit full damage is your car gives a soliloquy. I like Incredibly it. expensive tires shredded off the shoulder of Monaco. You know, this, this track over here. I've seen sea <laughs> I've seen sea beams sparkling off the back of F one race cars. 
What's a sea beam? I still don't know. No one knows. <laughs> you know, uh, this is actually really appropriate considering that the sequel to this game that never came out in Europe, I haven't played it, that's actually a futuristic Formula One uh, game with uh, like uh, with really weird city backgrounds and stuff. Oh, wow. Exhaust. And Exhaust he pits 2049. And he pitched this one instead? Well, it didn't come out here. I never played it. I mean, oh, this is my, this is a pure selfish thing. It's just so I can get people to talk about my this childhood memory of mine. I don't. I know the game is kind of boring. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is a nostalgia cast, and we are all just shitting all over Weimer's memories. I'm hey, so I sorry. Hey, I don't know. You shitting I, is what I paid for, what or what I want for, retweeted for. I'm actually enjoying I enjoyed this game, so I'm trying not to shit on it too much. But the car sprites during actual races are awful. They're really bad. <laughs> I do really wish that they were more representative of what I got to see on the big uh parts menu. That would yeah. like just something. Come on. Yeah, it's kind of shocking given how good they are everywhere else in the game that when you're in an actual race, the cars look absolutely terrible. And the opponent cars especially are really wonky because like they they don't have a lot of sprites for turning. So you can get into a situation where they'd be flipping rapidly between making like uh, a 45 degree angle left and then going straight. You know, there's a va 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 va. It's annoying. And then they're also a different size than you. So when they're even when they're at the same spot as you on the road, they're slightly larger, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, but uh, about the car sprites, it's that if they actually like uh, most of these mode seven uh, games, uh, when as they turn, eventually if they turn enough, they actually have a unique sprite, and you only see. This sprite, when I think when you're in the pit stop and and the cars go by, uh, you actually see them from the side, and they're actually uh, a lot more detailed there and look so much better than when they they do from the back. And uh, as I, as I said, I think I'm pretty sure you only see this sprite when you're in the pit stop and somebody goes by. They should have made uh, this game a side scroller <laughs> with jumping jump over. Yes. Okay. You mean it should have been like the uh, final boss battle in that Chester Cheetah game? Exactly like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I looked up the track list of the sequel to this game, and I just want to say some of the best track names, uh, just to see what we missed out on. Moon City, Don Chorus, Green Hill, uh, Desert Snake, White Knight, Metal Rabbit, and Laser Blaster. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. That's so cool. <laughs> laser Blaster. That's definitely my favorite. <laughs> That's That would have belonged in the gun segment. I can't believe... Uh, I so, Why, Weimer? Why? <laughs> well, to be fair, Weimer also gave us an alternative choice, and I was like, no, I want to do the game that you have personal experience with. So, the, What was the, the alternative? Yeah, uh, oh, uh, I, uh, I, I pretty much realized that it was maybe this wouldn't be kind of bland, so I just wanted to play uh, 3x3 ice instead, since that's on the top of every ROM list, and I don't know what that is. Oh, Sazan Eyes. Yeah, that's... Um, it's an anime game. Yeah, and I think it actually has a fan translation now. Yeah, I think it got fan translated like this year, so yeah. 
Um, but I wanted to do this one because I think the whole point of wanting to do like a, a, a somebody picking a game for us is that they have experience with it and that we get to talk about something that they've known. So even if we're kind of shitting on it, which I don't think we are, I've I've did really enjoy this game. Um, and I, the only problems I really had with it were just kind of how it looked wasn't very interesting. And, and I wish I would have done more with that to kind of match how detailed they were in a lot of other ways. So, yeah. Actually, with regards to uh, the tracks, uh, one of them stood out uh, visually, at least. Monaco is surrounded by uh, ocean, and that's maybe a little hint as to how I ended up on the ocean. <clears throat> <gasps> I didn't get that far, so I didn't see and it. And shredded tires. <laughs> the, no, the tires couldn't have been shredded. That's how Tulpa was floating over the ocean, was with the buoyant tires. If uh, the handling on the ocean is uh, anything to go by, then the ocean was entirely filled with shredded tires. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we'll talk about that in mystery. I really want to talk about that. Um, but yeah, what else? Oh, um, the title of this game is this like Mode 7 tunnel of checkerboard pattern on the top and the bottom. And it made me, like, physically ill. That's the one thing that was like, oh, God, because it kind of turns slightly and, like, flies through this tunnel. I was just like, oh, I can't look at this. Oh, this, unlike every other Mode 7 game I've ever seen, it's full screen. Oh, yeah, that's something to mention. There's no two-player, and it's completely full screen. So F-Zero is full screen as well, but more often it seems like they do that half screen thing that Mario Kart and Drift King did. Tulpa, you appear to have taken a lot of damage in that screenshot. Yes, uh, that 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 was part of how that happened, but I'm just showing the picture of uh, both the full screenness and also uh, going on the ocean. You know, one thing that's nice that we didn't bring up is that uh, if you press the select button, you can get rid of the HUD and just see uh, everything in its full glory. Which, oh, really? Yeah, uh, which I used for as many of the screenshots as I could because it's, it's pretty nice. That you can actually see the backdrops and kind of tell the different tracks apart when you can uh, when you turn off all of the HUD covering it up. Yeah, I was about to bring that up, actually, that uh, I, the backgrounds, I thought you could only really get a good look at them when you finish the race and the, the the UI goes away. But yeah, wow, so you can actually remove the to see those backgrounds. Nice, I'm glad we taught you something about this game. <laughs> I have very bad news. The internet is on things. What are sea beams and why do they glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate? Firelock underscore New York. 51 points four years ago. Sea beams are short for cesium beams, a type of particle beam weapon used in space combat. Highly reactive isotopes of C-55 are accelerated to near light speed and blasted at targets at relatively short range, shorting out E-shields, the glitter effect, and reacting explosively with elements in starship holes. If you see the sea beams glittering, that means you're observing the combat at point-blank range. You're either firing the beams or you're the target. I saw the sea beams glittering is the space combat soldier equivalent to the old phrase saw the elephant that shit is not in blade runner i i fucking nerds i hate it's definitely not in f1 race of champions no but in the second sequel sequel. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's that's what laser blaster is about yep the laser track is just sea beams that's what it is 
I don't know what saw the elephant means, by the way, and I don't care. (laughs) The track laser blaster is literally you just open up and they shoot you right in the face with the (laughs) CB. Oh my god. Well, thanks for that uh, that education, Shrug. I feel very good knowing that somebody just made some shit up about sea beams and put it on Reddit. And what the hell? <laughs> there's a, there's someone else giving an entirely different explanation for what sea beams are too. So we have multiple fan cannons competing. Thankfully, we don't have to hear any of them. <laughs> just the but one. Soon. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll be on my my podcast all about various um it's called Blade No, I'm not gonna say that phrase. Blade Redditor? I'm done. Blade Redditor, yes. Blade Redditor. <laughs> Compilation of all the bullshit everyone has made up about Blade Runner based on one movie and that shitty sequel novel. Don't forget the free shitty sequel novel. And there's one novel that it's based on that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's a good novel. But this the soliloquy is completely different in the novel, so, you know. It's not in the novel, so... Well, there you go. That's right. It's not even in the novel. <laughs> then fuck it. It's useless. Throw it away. Burn it. Philip K. Dick, what a a-hole. Okay. Um, silence. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, I insulted I insulted PK Dick, and now I have to be shot onto the moon. <laughs> to quote this game, come on, come on. Does it say that? Yeah. If you don't finish, uh, if you let the timer reach nine and fifty nine seconds, uh, the game just ends, and uh, your lap times are replaced with "come on." Wow. <laughs> amazing uh okay what else do we have for vanity um oh i had one thing god i do this all the time i'm like let's move on to the next wait never mind um they whenever you do a qualifier there's always like the uh the woman standing by your car like looking happy and you know being slightly less clothed um but the way that they drew her they they gave her this big red lipstick mouth that just looks like clown lips like the the pixels don't match the size of her face so she looks like she put just 30 or 40 percent more makeup than she really needed to on her lips and it's weird i that just really stood out to me every time (laughs) i noticed that too she looks like uh she's got the same face as pokey's mom in earthbound yes i can't can't believe you all would insult my mother this way (laughs) hi curry's mom I mean, that was just the 90s, right? It does feel like a stylistic choice. I, you know, it doesn't feel like a style. I feel like the, the pixel art person didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> Maybe she's hiding, trying to hide her face behind a lot of makeup because it's decaying because she's undead. She's one of the agents of Arpacula. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag feminism. <laughs> Oh my god. You know, you said Arpacula, and I thought a combination between uh, uh, Eraser and Scott Bakula, who was the main character in Quantum Leap, just in case anybody doesn't know. So, I just thought of, like, say he leaping into a race car driver in the middle of a race, going, oh jeez, oh no, what was his catchphrase? I don't remember. Oh boy. Oh boy. Thank you. It wasn't, oh jeez, oh no. <laughs> Oh, but regarding characters, it's hard to notice because uh, so 
there's so few that actually like uh, win the races in a given tournament, but uh, they seem to have a sprite for each character. Really? That so you only see that you only see standing on the podiums. I thought that they were generic, except for except for you. That's really interesting. I like. I feel like again. I want to come back to this. I feel like we each had very different experiences with this game, which says to me there was more going on than what I noticed by far. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what else we got about uh, Vanity? I've covered everything that uh, that I wanted to. Um, at the end of a race, when you're standing on the first, second, or third place podium. Everyone else has their helmets off and have big, stupid grins on their faces, but you are still wearing your helmet. You've got this orange helmet, and despite the fact that you're wearing your helmet, you still have a big, stupid grin on your face. The helmet has a big, stupid grin painted on it. Uh, actually, uh, the main character of this game is Daft Punk. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Uh, did did the main character have the helm have a helmet for everyone? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So that's different in the European version. Uh, he did not have a helmet, and I thought he kind of looked like vaguely maybe Italian or something. Whoa. Weird. He he would, that would not have flown. That would not have flown in America. We hate Italians here. <laughs> did he look like the third place winner on the screenshot? I just, which I will describe right now. It looks exactly like if Rene Aubergenois was wearing a really bad black haired toupee. I've seen screenshots, but no, not quite. Uh, he had the same uh, he had the same suit, but I guess they just put the helmet on them because I don't know. Wow. Here, I'll, I, I've got a picture. Hold on, hold on. His ears oh wow, are big. It's, it's the same oh, yeah, lineup. Oh yeah, it is the same lineup as your screenshot. That's funny. Yeah, there you go. That's that's the guy in the European version. So that's so funny. I I, I love these little changes. We need to put that into um, uh, cutting room floor. <laughs> Did we mention the... Maybe I was just spacing out. Did anyone mention the Make It Rain money screen? Oh, no, we I was haven't. saving that oh, for yeah. poetry. Yeah, yeah. Would, since, we're, since we've already got it, yeah, when you when you win a race, they, it'll have a big old dollar bill, and then you'll have a bunch of money falling down in the background. And it actually is, is gorgeous looking. Uh, the way that it the, the little money bills are animated in the background, like they're flipping all around and stuff. It's great. I really liked that screen. It was pleasing every time. It looks both gorgeous and sleazy, like a commercial for the lottery or like a, a virtual slot machine game or something. Yes, yes, it does. Game <laughs> screen also I found very pleasant because it's got that pink and white gradient and it just has uh, it has a nice minimalism to it because it's most it, the only part of it that's occupied is uh, the top with uh, the semi truck uh, picking up your car. Yo, that screen is a vaporwave cover, I'm just saying. Vapor, vapor, vaporwave connection. And it totally is. It's got that perfect pink and blue thing going on. Like it's it's and it is very 90s looking. So there you go. There's our vaporwave connection. I'm gonna play your song here, Tolpa, because somebody said vaporwave. Oh no. Just there's something very vaporwave about just the word flamingo. <laughs> just invoking flamingos in any way. Yeah, it's that's the, true. It's the Flamingo Flamingo Motor Racing Team is what it says on the side of the truck when you save. So yeah, there you go. It's it's gorgeous. There's a little man who walks down and gets into the truck, and you, I think you can tell. Wait, what side of the road do you drive on in Japan? Shit. Drive on the opposite side of the road. 
Okay. The sidewalk. The sidewalk. <laughs> but there's a detail. Like, this game was... Uh, it, he gets into what would be the driver's side in Europe and Japan, but is the passenger side on uh, in the U.S., so they didn't actually change that for the U.S. release. So there's a thing. Um, we almost failed to mention that on that money screen... There's also a great big dollar bill featured uh, that has George Washington in his regular portrait, except he's wearing big headphones. Yeah, it's fucking weird is what it is. (laughs) Well, I mean, you definitely see a lot of people wearing uh, headphones in the racing circuit. Like, and I can't remember exactly why that is. I assume it's because everything's really fucking loud. No, they're all listening to Kid Rock. Weren't you paying attention? <laughs> oh, right. I'm sorry. I've got, I forgot already. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy. I think we've got a lot of mysteries to cover. Interestingly enough, I'm actually surprised by this. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, which is mystery. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect... I only wrote down a couple of things, but we've got a couple of things to cover for this game uh, that is really not that mysterious. The one thing that I want to bring up, and I'm going to post a screenshot here, is why the fuck is Julia Roberts in this game? She was huge in the 90s. She was everywhere. Why wouldn't she be in this game? That really is her. It's just, I, like, when you go to select between Grand Prix and training, or Grand Prix... Uh, and training that yeah julia roberts is on the right side wearing a headset and she has got a stopwatch and she's wearing a yellow shirt a polo and it's her big red hair and sunglasses and very distinctive facial features and smile that is julia roberts what is she doing in this game they just traced her maybe they were thinking of days of thunder and they just got their famous redheads confused so they they were someone said nicole kidman and the sprite artist drew Julia Roberts. Or somebody said Randy Quaid, and the other person thought Julia Roberts because they're, they're very confused. Someone asked the sprite artist for this game to put a pretty woman in, and they took it a little too literally. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. <laughs> so that's my that was my major mystery, other than the fact that I was losing um, $1,000 between races, but I feel like that was explained well enough, so... Um, I really have one mystery I want to hear from Tulpa, though. Well, before we get to one, we do have a new mystery, and that is uh, who was the celebrity model for the main character in the European version of the game? My guess is it was Christopher Eccleston or Jean Renault. <laughs> it looks like, um, who is the guy in... Oh, God. Hold on, I have to find him. Timothy Dalton. No, I can't remember. And he was in a like one of the first movies that won like an Oscar uh that was a foreign movie and it was like a better guy in the Holocaust or something. I was Fuck. just thinking of the same person. He Roberto Benigni. Roberto Benigni in Life is Beautiful. Thank you. Thank I you. Was a, I was literally about to say he looked like he's, Roberto Benigni. He's too big to be Roberto Benigni, you know. He's like a big beef-fed Roberto Benigni. Yeah, Roberto <laughs> Benigni's only 5'6", it turns out. Anyway, that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see that. Something about the very large ears and lack of chin suggests a lot of uh, semi-well-known actors. 
I still say Daft Punk is the main character. <laughs> Only in the U.S., though, which I guess is ironic. I guess that's ironic. Well, they are French, so maybe so. Um, before we get to Tulpa's big mystery, I saw some pretty interesting stuff uh, on the Game FAQ's cheat page that I just looked at. Um, apparently, uh, well, first off, uh, I guess Weimar mentioned something about you can use the second player controller to, like, engage with secrets in the game. And uh, apparently one of those is um, you can <laughs> you can play as one of the opponents by using the player two controller. So you can play as Arpacula. Full circle. You can. This is one of those games where you can be good or you can be evil, and you can play as Arpacula. Did we ever see if Arpacula ever uh, like uh, placed in the top three in in the game? Because maybe it actually is Dracula. We don't know. Yeah, what if it's just like a vampire standing up there? Oh yeah, I wish that that because Curry got um, Arpacula's first in one of the the. Oh, it was just the starting grid though, so it wouldn't have, wouldn't have mattered. Never mind. Hey, th- this is F one racing, not Drac racing. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> My question is, how dark is the glass on Arpacula's canopy as expressed in a uh, welding shade? 4.6. Yeah, he's going to get burnt. That would not work. (laughs) Uh, All right, yeah, so there's Arpacula. Don't try to pull that shit with me. I'm a professional. I like to pull that shit with you and just mess with you. I want, I'm going to talk about uh, folded steel all day and how superior it is. It's going to be great. So there's another cheat here that's really weird to me. Like, I don't even understand this one, but uh, check SNES chips version <laughs> version numbers. To check your SNES chips version, select a new file and use the name XXCheckXX. Press reset to return to the game. Does anyone know what that means i don't know it was really strange it's the only cheat i've seen like that oh i did want to be clear because you said you could play as another uh person what it really means is that you can uh when you choose your name if you hit up and down on the second controller it lets you choose it automatically will fill it in with one of the opponent names so it's not actually turning the game into a two-player game which i did think for a second would be pretty amazing oh yeah 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 um, but the the weirdest cheat here, like the most intense one, is that apparently if you have a game that's saved in Moneco, then you can go to name change select and change your name to Casino. And then after you do a race, you get a slot machine mini game. Salaryman Corner! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't work. Oh. Tried it? Yeah, it might just be uh japan only cheat oh maybe i don't have uh, my battery doesn't work so i can't try it on mine oh yeah i'll have to i'll I'll get the pal version and try it and see if it works so maybe i'll add a a postscript onto this and tell you whether or not it works um okay so here's a i really want to hear topo's story and i'm delaying it even further here's a real mystery um so Weimer sent me a message saying, on the maintenance screen, you can use the second controller to bring up a cursor that I could never figure out what it does. That's not in-game oh, yeah. FAQs, and we don't know what it does. No, that is... I 
I have no idea either. Uh, I, you can just kind of point it around and uh, wherever, and I don't know. Maybe if you have a, you have your brother next to you, or you have a friend, you can make uh, make get really, you know, make good decisions there in the in the repair shop. Yeah, they can direct you. They're the coach. They're the F1 coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want a little more grip, a little more front grip. You need a new spoiler here. <laughs> Maybe it's like Mario Galaxy and they can shoot little star bits at the other cars. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Uh, so, yeah, so there's a genuine mystery, uh, maybe only known on this podcast. Maybe nobody else noticed that. I doubt it, but, you know, it's not documented. So there you go. There's another first for us. As an exploration exclusive. Exclusive. It's time for me to go on my long tangent explaining the plot of F1 ROC and how it relates to war crimes and uh, the the sins of war and how it affects people and never goes away. And anyway, people should watch the uh, other the other podcast. Anyway, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, because you just said people should watch a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're right. Uh, I apologize for everything. Open up the visualizer in Winamp. Everyone uses Winamp still, right? It's not just me. I do. I use Winamp. It's still the best. And watch those uh, little squiggly lines. I got... Jerking around. Jerking around. I got... Jerking around. <laughs> Damn it. I got a plug-in for FUBAR so that I could use Winamp visualizations in it. That's no joke. So that's nice. the one thing I miss from Winamp. <laughs> Gotta have your milk drop. Yep, exactly. Um, oh, and, and Curry, of course, was referring to cyber the, the episode 5, Cyber Night 2, which is truly a, uh, an exploration exclusive in terms of like actually visiting that plot deeply. So you should listen to that if you're interested in, in war crimes and RPGs, and also just, you know, robots and shit. So. <laughs> okay, so we can finally talk about the one true mystery of this game. Uh, which is, and I didn't even take screenshots of all of this, because there's a lot there. Uh, there is one corner of uh, the track in Mono that you can, uh, if you ram your car into at a high speed, you will launch yourself into the ocean, and you can drive around on the ocean as much as you want. And if you f uh, just keep driving around and looking for stuff, you will find a secret set racetrack. Yeah. Uh, it has like a start. Uh, it has a start finish line. Uh, when you drive on it, it automatically detects uh, like what turns you should make, but you can't actually finish the race there. And the this is, is some like golden eye stuff. Yeah, the mystery is why is it? Why is this there? That's incredible. So that so yeah, I'm assuming it's kind of in the lower left corner of that Monaco map if you're looking at the mini map because that's like this big empty space, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a secret island that you can race on, uh, and you should only do this in training mode because uh, it will ruin your game uh, if you do this during the Grand Prix. So is it a different layout of track, too? Like, it's not just the same track again, it's like a different shape? Yeah, it's a different shape, and it also, you can get onto it without, like, doing any kinds of glitches. Uh and if you will look at my screenshot, the reason I am so damaged is because I 
stubbornly was trying to get onto the ocean because I got, uh, I was a little bored of the of Monaco. That's so amazing. I kept, so I kept all? ramming myself into a. I was constantly ramming myself into a wall to see what would happen. Damn, that's incredible. I mean, this is the shit that like. I feel like they're unplumbed depths, and I'm glad that we're getting some of that. Uh, I'm so glad you found that. So anybody who wants to load this game up, uh, load that Monaco track, get on that secret track. You'll be one of the few people to have ever experienced it, because it's not documented anywhere but here. <laughs> Is this game an icebergvania? <laughs> you're gonna find a complete you're gonna find a whole like casino game it's not just a slot machine that was a, a test if you race on this secret track enough like 200 laps you'll get into a casino and then there's a completely different game in there f1 roc is actually frog fractions 4 <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense maybe if you uh try and get off the tracks on every other track you will find other secrets yeah oh, i'll have to try it now I want to try that now, too. I'm actually like, oh, fucking cool. So you just slammed yourself into a wall and you eventually went through it? Well, there, there's a one corner where you, where uh, the wall was, like, only a pixel wide. And that's where I was slamming myself. Ah, I see. Okay, so any pixel-wide wall maybe you could slam through. Interesting. This game does have a lot of random weird secrets in it, so who knows? Maybe they did that on purpose. I mean, they had to have done oh, yeah. the track on purpose, for sure, but maybe, the, and yeah, probably the wall as well. Oh yeah, also, the handling on the ocean is really weird. It feels smoother than driving on a road. Like, you, get, you don't get slowed down at all, and there's no friction, as far as I can tell. And because the ocean is animated, and it's one of the few, like, environmental details that is animated... It's very disorienting if you get far enough out that you can't see land. There's different <laughs> driving physics when you're in the water? Yep. I Holy would, shit. I would guess that it's probably like a lack of driving physics, like, but who knows? Like, that's so strange. This is some serious playground rumor stuff right here. Yeah. Blowing my mind. And none of you would believe me if I didn't take screenshots. I would believe you, Tulpa. If you didn't Photoshop some screenshots. Dun dun dun! I can, I for one can never trust you again explicitly because of this. <gasps> oh no, but it's true. I can't trust you because you put mayo in your coffee. You did. <laughs> well, okay, that's a good point. But you I didn't actually do that. <laughs> you disrespect. You disrespect. So you have a history of lying on the podcast. <laughs> You're either a liar or a mayo coffee drinker. What did Perry actually say? Sorry. I was saying you disrespected the physics of the course. Rude. Like, if anything, I showed them too much respect by assuming that I could just drive into a wall and nothing bad would happen. <laughs> oh my god. So there you go. There's another, another Super Nintendo Exploration Squad exclusive. Need a jingle for that too. Probably make that the little uh, Dragon Quest, someone joins your party thing. That little, like, perfect. Or something. That's going to be what it is. That's it. And and only in retrospect will you understand that when, once you've heard Kerr here say that. <laughs> 
All right, what else we got for for mystery? We've covered the Julia Roberts mystery. We've covered the secret track mystery, and then something else I forgot. Then some cheat codes and the stuff. The Roberto Benigni mystery. <laughs> the Roberto Benigni mystery. What else we got? Anything? I think we got the mystery of why people like cars so much. Why do people like cars so much? They go fast and are loud. They're rooms um. that move. <laughs> they're they're Tardises, except they don't move through through time, only space. They, I mean, I would say with F1 cars that they are like coffins that can kill you. Oh, Arpacula yeah. Arpacula hears you. <laughs> uh, Arpacula. There is apparently an Arpacula in Canada. I'm not going to say any more because I don't want to like, you know, but you can Google and find an Arpacula. They, I wonder if they were a real F1 driver. In the in the sequel to this, you actually play as his son, Alu Capper. <laughs> nice <laughs> alright so I think we got a, a real short section coming up um, but, oh wait no fuck me I always do this <laughs> let's move on to salary man corner um, so every week we pick a game that is either mahjong horse racing or pachinko because they're, we're just not going to have very much interesting say, to say about them. So we spend a few minutes playing it, and then we just kind of shove it in the middle. Um, this week we played, here we go, Super Zugan. <laughs> okay. Hakotenjo Kara no Shotaijo. Fuck. The translated title is Super Zugan Invitation from Hokuten Castle. Um, Finally, oh. we've got a real game on this episode. Yep, <laughs> finally we get a real game. Uh, yeah, it's a Mahjong game based on an anime of the same name. Uh, to quote Giant Bomb, the anime is about perpetually luckless protagonist Hideyuki Toyotomi, who gets dragged into Mahjong games by his three degenerate companions and constantly loses in spite of the tiles he draws. Zugan is a mutated form of the Japanese phrase for bad luck. Um, so yeah, so we play this game for like 5 to 15 minutes probably, so what do we think about this? Wait, hold on. The plot is that he always loses? That's that's entirely different from what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the it's an opposite anime. It's like, if you played, if you watched Yu-Gi-Oh! and he always lost, but somehow managed to continue on anyway. Well, this game is a great adaptation of, uh, of Super Zudon then, because I always lost while playing this. Nice. But uh, I played this about 15 minutes, and this game has brilliant sound design. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, like, it's not anything that's unusual, but it's just, it hits all the right Super Nintendo sound font notes. Like, the the, the little, uh, oh god, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I thought, like, the speaking sound was good, the uh, little success for completing a puzzle was good. All the, the different characters have different voices. Oh, really? I somehow didn't notice that. But it's like, yeah, I I found myself wishing that I understood what was going on in this game so I could, like, play more of it. And also that I knew how to play Mahjong. I, I had a hard time telling what the tiles were in this game. They were kind of crushed. But I also still can't ever figure out what the fuck I'm doing, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's worth mentioning that this game has, like many Mahjong games, there's two modes. The first mode is just play Mahjong, and you can pick the characters that you play against, which is kind of cute. Um, and then there's a second mode, which is some sort of adventure or campaign mode. In this case, it's a 
I did never play Mahjong. I poked around in it for 10 minutes. There was a puzzle that you had to flip switches, and it was kind of like lights out where it would affect the other switches, but also... Like, I think there was a Mahjong puzzle involved in that, so that was interesting. But you're going to a tower and wander around and talk to people and try and free people from these weird little traps. So that was weird. Oh, I didn't find any puzzles. Like, I thought it was just a standard Mahjong adventure thing where uh, you go into different rooms and you find people to play Mahjong with. I didn't encounter anything unusual. Oh, no. Uh, the Yeah, when I played the adventure mode, there was a room where you had to flip around switches to try and... Uh, solve the puzzle there was another where you were given a quiz um only one of the doors available had a mahjong uh battle which i was i thought was a really nice change of pace uh i am sad now because that's the only door i went into and i didn't want to like explore all the other rooms because i just thought it would just be more mahjong battles so the story for this game is that um, there is a character in the manga and the anime, which is Akina Hayami, which is the girl on the title screen. And she's the damsel in distress of this Mahjong game, which is not a phrase I expected I would be saying. And she's trapped on the fifth floor of this Hakuten castle. And as you beat people in Mahjong and complete puzzles, you get keys that allow you to climb your way up the tower to go rescue her. And that's more or less what the story is. It doesn't appear to be canonical to the manga at all. Uh, not that that really matters. And this whole game has like, I, I described it as Goemon-esque because it, it really feels like it has the personality of the Goemon Super Nintendo games uh, going in there. And the faces are super expressive and the characters look really cool. Like, I really like this game. I don't really get what you guys are saying about the tiles because they look like normal Mahjong tiles to me, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just really used to them. These are by far the pluriest the tiles have ever been. Like. I didn't have too much difficulty reading them, but uh, they were harder than any of the other ones we've played to read, which is weird because this game is also zoomed in a lot. Uh, you you have to like pan around to see uh, what other people have uh, uh, declared. This game has uh, a lot of text in it. I mean, like... <laughs> There must be some serious storytelling going on or something. I mean, I, you know, I can't read Japanese, so I don't know what they're saying, but I had to go through like pages and pages of text every time I went into a room in the adventure mode. And uh, while I was doing that, having nothing else to really focus on, I looked at the main character's face because there's a little um, close up of his face uh, by the dialogue box. And this kid's emotions are all over the place. I mean, like, He'll be grinning happily, and then a second later, the next screen of dialogue look like completely furious. And uh, on balance, I think he's furious more often than not. He's uh, kind of a, a strange protagonist. It seems like a comedy protagonist for like a gag manga protagonist in that case. Also, he appears to be a child, so this is all very normal for children, I think. <laughs> If you take too long to discard a Mahjong tile during a Mahjong game in in this game, uh, the other characters complain at you, and uh, uh, they have unskippable dialogue boxes that pop up. Oh it's my great. god, that is amazing. I love it. In a game where you need to think about all of your choices, the game shames you for it. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but... That's because I played Mahjong less than I did wander around a tower. (laughs) 
and you were right the the protagonist is a child um i think they're both like in high school they're basically high school crushes uh the main character you play as and the girl on the title screen um which i guess is kind of rare for uh mahjong manga because usually it's all like old men that are playing it um i mean recently there's been saki which is a mahjong anime where high school girls who are heavily implied to be lesbians uh play mahjong all the time and it's great um but like back then it was mostly just old men playing in mahjong mango so this sort of stands out and it is a somewhat of a gag mahjong anime from uh, a gag mahjong manga from what i could understand from japanese wikipedia well there we go I think that's I think that's Salary Man Corner. <laughs> Unless we had any final notes. Somebody please translate this game. Yes, please. Oh, it's by Electronic Arts. Oh fuck yeah, it's by EA. What the hell? <laughs> well, EA Japan, which is Electronic Arts Victor, which basically means they teamed up with RCA as they're known in Japan. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I I was surprised by that. Yeah, just seeing EA in a Mahjong game really threw me off. I mean, I figured it wasn't like a bunch of Americans making this game, but, you know, <laughs> it was really interesting. So, yeah, I also felt like because you go into this tower and it's very like this Tower of Babel thing, I was sort of shocked by the scale of what they were trying to sell me in this Mahjong game. So, yeah, I loved I loved how the how when you walk around the tower, it has like an animation where it spins that was great. Like that was a lot of visual attention to detail that I did not expect from something like this. Yeah, it looks like um, the closest reference I can think off the top of my head is uh, Kirby's Adventure on the NES has a tower kind of like this. Yeah, yeah, it's just like that. Yeah, except this looks better. <laughs> it's 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 a little more bland looking because it's all browns, but yeah, that's that's the closest reference I can think. Of. It looks pretty good. It's a good looking game. So, so there you go. That's Salary Man Corner. That's at this point. Oh, I've got one more note. Uh, at this point, I'm pretty sure that uh, these like Mahjong RPG hybrids should actually succeed in America because Mahjong mechanics aren't really any more complex than RPG mechanics nowadays. That's a fair point. If it had a deep tutorial about how to play Mahjong that it taught you over about two hours, um, I think that, yeah, a Mahjong game could actually succeed in the U.S. Unlike that niche scale that, that some certain games do. All right. Uh, okay, let's move on. So, so that was an interesting game. Not good enough to spend a whole podcast on, unlike Battle Jockey. But I have a feeling we're not going to experience that again, unfortunately. So, um, all right, let's move on to our uh, what is this fourth topic? Poetry. And I don't have much to say here. What, was there any poetry in this game? It felt uh, so bare bones it was hard for me to say. Other than driving on the ocean, that's poetic. Yeah, driving on the ocean was one of my notes for poetry, but also, uh, if you pay close attention, you'll notice that a lot of the uh, brand names for the engines are uh, very subtly misspelled uh, real car companies. That's really interesting. They, I, in the Wikipedia article for this, it also mentions that the advertisements on the walls are <clears throat> on the like arena, arena, the track, fucking a, um, are uh, are slight misspellings of existing brands, and some of them are to like avoid advertising alcohol or tobacco. So that was kind of kind of a, a strange little thing. But I didn't see any. All I saw was there was one that was a row of F's. It was just F F F F F. I didn't know what that was supposed to mean. <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't really understand all the references to ad- advertisements mentioned on the Wikipedia article because I saw some ads, but they were too small and blurry to really make out like what they were supposed to be advertising. Yeah, exactly. Like it didn't really mean anything to me. Uh, but yeah, like uh, the top two engines you could buy are a Ferrari with only two R's and a Honda, an <laughs> an M instead of an N. And I thought it was poetic that they couldn't afford to license real engines. I like Hamada for being completely unpronounceable. I think there was a Ford motor for Ford V8 that was Foro V8. And because of the pixel font, it looks basically the same as Ford. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> We're not breaking breaking copyright laws because it says Foro, technically. Look at the code. Very, it's very Wish Donalds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Shit, what game was Wish Donalds in? That was uh, uh, Prehistoric Man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, our very first published episode. Good old Wish Donalds. Uh, I, you know, I like to uh, look at the game FAQs content for this game or for any game for the podcast and. Uh, there wasn't a lot going on on Game FAQs with this game, but there was one fact that had a uh, copyright information bit at the end, and those are often a lot of fun. Uh, this one says it has a big, long list of guidelines for what you can and can't do with this with this guide that this guy wrote. And one of them is like you can translate this guide into foreign languages. British, Southern Australian, and New Yorker are not considered foreign languages and post the translation on your website. But then the immediate next thing on the list is, you can't post this guide if you change a single letter, number, or symbol, not even a tilde. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> How does that work out? It's very confusing. Um, if, then, you, if you put it on there, you have to put it on, uh, if to post it with an audio file of you uh, reading it in another language. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and then the best one of the things that you can't do is and I'm reading this verbatim by the way you can't post this guide on websites that contain or have links to sites that contain explicit photography of naked humans Um, uh, if you keep reading below below the copyright information I just opened it up myself it says to quote and verbatim do not send spam, pornography, chain letters, quote, flaming, unquote, or anything that contains profanity or vulgarity. Again, violation of this rule will result in permanent constipation. Oh. Yeah, uh, there's <laughs> another bit like that up uh, under the copyright can and can't do's. It says, if you don't comply with these guidelines, your hard drive will be reformatted, permanently erased, inexplicably and you will suffer from constipation for the rest of your life heed this warning oh and the faq actually has some good stuff as well it actually mentions the uh ocean uh hidden track easter egg so really? so i guess we're not the first people to find it bum, bum, wow. but also we're not allowed to share this uh faq you're reading yeah but are one of the other frequently asked questions is, are there any uh, any fans of this game besides you? <laughs> and he, he name checks one fan that he knows. Well, now he's got eight more. <laughs> we should now write this person. Family.
Now we're a family. We're the F1 family. F -f -f family. And we're all constipated. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? But thankfully, none of us swear or have any relation to uh, naked people. Naked humans. Yeah, you Ever. could put. Ever. You could put. You could have a site that posts non -pho photography of naked humans, or I guess naked animals is just animals. So. Just regular old hentai works, right? It's not photos. Yeah, I guess he's okay with that. Maybe that's why he phrased it that way. Also, I guess implicit photography of naked humans is okay as well. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be <laughs> photography of, like, somebody's leg and it implies that they don't have any other clothes on? Which I think would be fine. I think uh, implicit would be a picture of someone with clothes on with the knowledge that under these clothes, this person is naked. <laughs> Very implicit photography. Um, <laughs> Christ. What, what else we got for poetry? Well, you were thinking about this as a dad game. A game from a dad. I was thinking about dad games in my own life. And there were very few. Um, when we first, when we got our first computer, um, a Macintosh SE little grayscale box. My father got a few games that uh, he then proceeded to not actually play very much because games just were never his thing. But there were a few of them that he played more than others. And so while I wasn't contributing much to this podcast, I started digging, trying to figure out what one of them was. Uh, and eventually reasoned out that it was Falcon 2.2, a flight combat simulator with what must have been an extremely atrocious frame rate. Uh, and my memories of this game, of this dad game, are sitting on the runway. Very rarely, I was probably like six or seven years old when I was fumbling with this, very rarely able to figure out the sequence of events that would lead to actually being able to take off because you know you have to deal with removing the brakes and on your wheels and accelerating to the right speed and etc when i actually did manage to take off immediately flopping over listening to a canned woman's voice saying pull up pull up pull up and immediately crashing and uh most of the time, I would just figure out through the uh, mouse interface how to arm weapons and impotently like fire tomahawk missiles off on the runway. And the more I reflected on this, the more I realized that this was a an excellent metaphor for my life to come. So perhaps there are great auguries and truths to be found in the uh, dad games of our past. I actually, yeah, that was one that I was, I was like, I really like that story, by the way. I'm looking at that game and it looks, it looks like cornhole, um, but on the Mac. Um, <laughs> no, I think that this, this is a good section for that. Um, because yeah, uh, Weimer, you talked about this being a game that you didn't play, but your dad played. And I have mm -hmm. a few games like that myself and they're all super nintendo games so it fits 
but particularly the one that, that sticks in my mind is um, SimCity. My dad loved SimCity, and he would play the shit out of that game. Like, he had a whole strategy for... Like, he would build basically what he, uh, the best city possible on, like, the flat map that doesn't have any ocean... Or doesn't have any, like, water in it or anything like that. And it was that, that was when I learned that, like, you could replace all the roads with, um, with rails instead. Um, and you could... He, he had specific amounts of police stations and where the airport needed to be and where you put your nuclear plant and all these different things that were really, really interesting. But the thing that sticks with me the most is I w there was a couple of times where I'd wake up in the middle of the night for whatever reason and I'd come out and, you know, he worked nights all the time. Um, so he, when he had days off, he was usually up in the middle of the night. And I'd come out and he'd be playing SimCity. And that's my, my main memory of that game is just staying up for an hour or so, uh, watching my dad play SimCity. That's a that's a night game for me. That's a game that I only want to play in the dark. Um, but yeah, so does anybody have a dad game story? Uh, m my dad always liked to insist that he got PTSD from uh, playing Link to the Past for a few days. <laughs> that's All right. a good dad. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. The the my I do remember playing my dad playing Link to the Past in particular as well. He he was the reason we had a Super Nintendo and an NES actually as well. Um, I wouldn't have probably played video games except for him. The funny thing is that we got once we got a computer, he was really insistent that computers were for work only. You could not play games on the computer. It was weird. <laughs> My dad mostly played uh, Zaxxon at the local uh, pizza parlor arcade. That's the it, only game he really played until the Xbox came out, and then he played uh, Burnout a lot. Nice. My dad got an NES uh, when I was like three years old, and uh, he claimed that it was for me, but it was really obvious uh, to the entire rest of the family that it was actually for him. And um, so I grew up watching him play like Mario and other NES games until I was old enough to actually play them myself. And uh, he continued playing games with me all the way through Super Nintendo until uh, we played Ocarina of Time on N64. And like, as soon as we finished that game, he said that he couldn't do 3D games. Uh, he's blind in one eye, and he said that uh, he, he like couldn't process the 3D because of his uh, eye, which I feel like was a convenient excuse to stop playing video games, because I don't think that a lack of depth perception would get in the way of playing N64, but uh, who knows? <laughs> That's funny. I like that. My dad was just a real uh, Tom Clancy kind of dad. Both in that he uh, read Tom Clancy novels and was just sort of into uh, military fetishization and hardware fetishization. So, hey, if I'm going to dip my toe into games, may as well be this here. Oh, flight combat simulator. He didn't do much more than that, though, every once in a while, like, it would seem like I got a master system. Um, it was my first console, and I got Joe Montana football for it, and he bought me that like it was some sort of, um, like, here, have a football game for we can bridge our two separate worlds through football video game. 
maybe you will come to like actual football. It did not work, though I did like playing the game because it was a game and not actual football. Yeah, I think the worst path to football is video games. <laughs> I know that it's uh, that we just did Shrug Story, but I do want to say real quick for, I believe it was one second before story, that I'm glad that somebody has a story that um, Ocarina of Time ruined video games for them. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was a direct cause and effect or what, but uh, yeah, that was pretty much the last game he played. Amazing. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard you you heard it here first. Ocarina of Time ruined video games. There were a couple of uh, more games that you know uh, that played mostly you know flight combat simulators. Uh, I think EL2, IL2, Stromovic and stuff. But the one thing I do remember that was a game he actually didn't play. He actually got this uh, apparently from a friend at work. He said uh, who was very insistent he played it. But uh, the game was uh, Final Fantasy VIII for PC of all things, and I remember we had we just had the jewel case, uh, or we we had the we had the discs and the case, and since we never uh, we never here in Europe we never we never got much, many we never got any many Super Nintendo games, and I was uh, uh, on the and I, we were got an N sixty four anyway. So I'd never really seen anything like uh, the cover for Final Fantasy. Uh, and uh, looking at the back, and I remember looking at the ba- screenshots at the back of it, I think it was only uh, pictures of, uh, you know, of the summons and uh, animations and maybe some of the FMVs. So I, I, I remember looking at it and then being not really sure how you would even play this uh, and thinking it was, uh, looked kind of, it, uh, it looked rather complicated, uh, and especially when I played for a bit and I couldn't understand English at the time, so I just saw the bunch of menus. But I distinctly remember uh, coming away from it. Yeah, this is probably what adults play. Final Fantasy VIII was the first adult game, so that's a good and story. All the grown-ups. But... It's not for kids. Oh. Only real adults can pull off a jacket with that uh, rough at the collar. That's the sound of that joke going way over my head. What? Final Fantasy VIII's, uh the main character, Swall's character design. What you're saying, Shrug, is that only Jacket is a real adult. Did you just pronounce his name like Jacket? Yes, because that's how it's pronounced. I thought it was pronounced like Gakt, like Gakuto. What? Oh, it is Gakuto. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to be saying Jacket anyway. I don't care. Only, only jacket, only jacket is adult enough to pull off that jacket. I thought we were talking about Hotline Miami guy. uh, But for with regards to poetry with this game, there's some accidental poetry because we kept making Blade Runner lists. Uh, One of the uh, one of the teams, their name is Tyrell. So Tyrell Corporation is canon to F1 racing. In real life. Oh, Whoa. shit. Yeah. Remember we were talking about F1 racing? I don't remember ever talking about F1 racing. How long has this episode run so far? Oh, way too long. We're at like two hours and 20 minutes. Um, let's <laughs> let's move on to uh, to Harmony. Uh, the, the, where's the musical break? Here's the musical break. 
Um, Harmony, yes. How did this game come together? It felt like a racing game to me, you know? Uh, I was actually thinking about, uh, like, while I liked this game a lot and uh, I had a lot of fun playing it, I think despite the uh, mechanical tightness of this game, I, I had more fun playing Drift King. Like, it's more enjoyable to play, like, a relaxing, super casual racing game than it is to play this for me. I agree. I liked Drift King more. Yeah, I, I did as well. I, I've liked I liked Drift King more. I'm not as much of a simulationist, so and and I think that like true simulationists at this point would look at this game and go, oh, this is not not what I was expecting. So it kind of I like at this point in time falls between arcadey and simulation too much that it doesn't meet either of those needs. I think at the time it was a pretty interesting simulation game, though. The problem with simulation games is that they age incredibly fast. You know, the, the simulation value of the game only lasts for as long as the technology is cutting edge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the fate of all simulationist games at some point is, well, except I feel like now when you look at, like, a simulation racing game or a simulation flight game, like, it's good. It's close enough to real life that it, it is going to age really well, but before like, you know, the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 or whatever, it definitely felt like the fate of a simulationist game was to look really bad in 5 to 10 years. I think yeah. Gran Turismo 4 sort of is the starting point of where games became good enough, because I still play a lot of Gran Turismo 4 regularly, and this week Gran Turismo Sport came out, and Basically, aside from graphics being much, much better, you can't really tell the difference in the driving style that much unless you're using like a real force feedback uh, wheel or anything. Um, but yeah, I've been playing a lot of Gran Turismo Sport this week, and <laughs> it's a very polarizing game for reasons that I will get into in a future podcast that I'm recording uh, next week. Um, but I think this might be a better simulation game than Gran Turismo Sport, which is a very strange twist just because it has so much more to deliver in terms of content than Gran Turismo Sport does. That's saying a lot. No shit. Wow. That's bizarre. I, I want to, I hope you bring up this game and your take on what's the podcast you're recording. Uh, I do a podcast every two weeks called Limitless Possibility. You can find it at LimitlessPossibility.net. There you go. I set you up for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. That's interesting. That's a really interesting take. And relative to Drift King, I actually prefer this game to Drift King just because I prefer sim racing physics in general. Um, but the aesthetic of Drift King is much more in line with my personal aesthetic. Yeah, it's much more Vaporwave. The engine... The I think the thing that really works for me in this game, though... And despite my complaining about it, you've got big, loud engine noises, and you go real fast. And that's all I, I need in a racing game to make me feel like I'm on the track, you know? <laughs> I think that this game tries to approximate maybe the experience of watching F1 racing on TV. Um, and to that end, the little interlude screens, like especially the money falling from the sky like a lottery commercial screen... It does seem to have, like, 90s television aesthetics to it, so I suppose you could say that that works. Yeah, it kind of does, yeah. it it in, in the same way that Drift King felt like it was trying to simulate, like, the experience of watching somebody drift around corners on a TV. Yeah, I could see that. 
All right, this podcast has been very, very long. So does anybody have any more notes for, for Harmony before we kind of close this one out? Oh, shit. I never actually said anything for Harmony. Uh, for Harmony, uh, this game tore my life apart. There. <laughs> it lulled me into a real feeling of... Uh, um... This is hell to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners are gonna all die. Harmoniousness. That's the word. There you go. That's the word you're yeah. looking for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's okay. also that is. That is what the game sounds like. <laughs> That's all. The- oh, I fr- I failed to mention this. Did anybody else feel like the opposing racers when they got close to you sounded like annoying bees? Just like, Eeeh. it was irritating. I hated that. That's F1. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Um, though, I, what just happened just makes me want someone to do an acapella remix of playing uh, F1 Race of Champions. And... We can do that. <laughs> yeah, we we have the talent. All right. Well, I think I'm happy to to close this one out. We've been going on for for probably two and a half hours here. <laughs> so, uh, um, let's see. How do I usually end this? We, we usually do a mystery topic, but my mystery topic was actually going to be like dad games. So we covered it already, which is great. Um, so we're just going to skip over that. Um, but so yeah, thanks for listening to this podcast about F1, Race of Champions. Um, God, my brain is completely frozen at this point. I've been talking about race cars too long. Uh, So, hey, everybody, uh, where can people find you if they want more of you? Uh, I'm Shrug. I'm Shrug on the forums. Just Shrug. I'm at Shrugopolis on Twitter for some reason. Some people have followed me from this show and... I'm sure you've gotten tons out of that. Yeah. I'm Courier Rice. I'm Courier Rice on the forums and on Twitter and about everywhere. I run the the Tumblr for Snack Exploration. I haven't been doing much with that lately because I've been busy with work, but I should get back on it. And that's about it. Hello, I'm the Goddamn Milkman here and on the Select Button forums. You can also find me at MagicalMat42 on Twitter. You can also find me on YouTube talking about comics at Wednesday's Serial. Thank you and have a good night. I'm one second before, uh, also going under that name on the forums. And I have a documentary that's at sarasotamovie.com. It's called Sarasota Half in Dream. And I just found out this morning that it has been accepted into the Tampa Bay Underground Film Festival. So if you just so happen to live in the Tampa Bay area in Florida, then you can probably see it on the big screen. Uh, I don't know the date yet. They haven't sent me the schedule. But the festival begins on November 30th. Nice. That's awesome. I also want to point out that Tampa Bay Underground Film Festival is definitely T-Buff. It is T-Buff. Hashtag T-Buff. I'm Sakarina. You can find me on Twitter at Sakarina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And I do videos every week about Wonder Swan games on YouTube, which you can find at swansong.ws.
I am Talpa. I am also Talpa on the Select Button forums. On Twitter, you can find me at Memorious Talpa. And occasionally I stream games on Twitch under the name of Tupler. Oh, uh, I'm Weimer. Uh, I am Weimer on the Select Button forums. Uh, that's uh, Weimer spelled uh, Y M E R. So it's probably not how many would pronounce it. Uh, I am. Uh, Sane underscore John on Twitter. I don't use that much. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just also want to say thanks, guys, for uh, doing this. It's been a very nostalgic thing. So it's been great. Well, I've, I've definitely enjoyed playing it. I'm glad you were able to join the podcast, too. I think this is this is a, a pretty rare event. I'll be very surprised if it happens on episode 20. So, <laughs> so thanks. Um, I have been Virtual Clint. You can find me on Twitter at virtual clint i'm also virtual clint on the forums go figure um if you like this podcast tell your friends tell your mom tell the sandwich artist at subway i don't know tell anybody you can get your 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 hands on and tell uh, your dads yeah tell your dads <laughs> um because it's not like we advertise this and so far i think word of mouth has been the only way that people have uh, been spreading this around so um yeah if you leave a review on itunes i will read it on the podcast even if it's really really mean and hey guess what we have a review on itunes um so i'm gonna go ahead and and hey uh does anybody else want to read this does anybody want to volunteer to read this uh review i'm about to paste into the discord Nope, just me? Okay. <laughs> so we got a review from Mechachar, and they say, I really enjoy this podcast. The casual discussion style makes me feel like I'm sitting in on a party line with my friends while we discuss which wildly overpriced cartridges are worth our precious time and hard-earned moolah, even though that's something I've never done in real life, unless you count Skyping about Humble Bundle sales. So far, parentheses, episode 8, most of the games discussed here have been absolutely terrible, but that's a plus in my book. Well, thank you for the review, Mechachar, and I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Uh, hopefully this episode is, is not about a totally terrible game. Um, you know, <laughs> they've been pretty bad, though, otherwise. Um, I mean, it's a plus in his book, so... That's true. We'll just get... They're, they're probably going to listen to this, this episode and be like, ah, shit, a good game, fuck it. Hey... Can you? I don't. I only see one review. Uh, one second before. Can you like maybe paste it or give me a link because I don't see the other review. I found it. I found it. Uh, I, I don't have any good way to paste it. And uh, can you read it? Yeah. yeah I don't want to read it because uh, I'll, I'll read it. Yeah, okay, read it. Thank you. My SNES ate my cat! Exclamation point by. DLF Murphy. Um, Dilf Murphy? Yeah. Perfect. I don't know what this podcast app is for, but I need help. I came home from work today, and my cat was gone. The only sign of him was a dusting of fur around my old Super Nintendo. I poked at the cartridge slot, and I heard a distressed meow faintly, as though it were echoing in from far away. Is my cat okay? 
It can't possibly fit inside the console, but it definitely is in there somehow. If anyone reads this message, please contact me with advice. You can find my phone number by taking the first letter of each sentence in this message and converting it to its matching number with a with the A being 1 and Z being 26. Please, my dear Mr. Meowsers is under a lot of stress. Take it sleazy. <laughs> awesome. Hey. Meowing in your background is perfect. Yeah, that was good ambiance. Uh, the reason I didn't want to read that is because I I did write that while I was drunk last weekend. <laughs> I can't believe you would disrespect the integrity of our podcast like this. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's a real good one. I really appreciated that. But he only left one star. God damn That's it. That's not true. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's five stars. Good. We need to inflate that rating any way possible. If anybody else wants to leave a review, I don't care. You can, I will read that. All right, shit. Um, <laughs> okay, we're, I'm doing a new thing next week, or this week, I guess. Um, I'm actually hosting the poll on the Snexploration Twitter. So it's at Snexploration, S-N Exploration. So if you follow, you can vote on it. It's going to be over by the time you hear this, but follow it for next week, um, and you can vote on the next game that we're playing. If you have questions, you can email us. It's snexploration at gmail.com. Uh, Courier mentioned the Tumblr, snexploration.tumblr.com. Uh, and f- as always, for more inane video game discussion, jump into the selectbutton.net forums. Now, I'm going to tell you, we've got three games that, that we may, p- might play next week. There's, and you're going to think that I loaded this. You're going to think, that I, no, that couldn't have been random, but this was truly random. So out of these three, we're going to vote on one. We've got Mega Man X3. Oh, shit. Oh. I said, yep. Super Punch-Out. And Aerobiz. Well, I know which one I'm voting for. I know which one Tulpa's voting for. Aerobiz. Aerobiz. Yeah. Let's not do this. Let's not do this again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. Those are the three that we're that we're one of those we're going to play next week. So hop on Twitter and vote on that uh, in the past, I guess. Um, the next podcast is going to go up November 11th, and uh, yeah, and that's it. So I guess until next time. I'm going to take the easy one. It's not Drift King. It's not BC Racers. It's not F1 Race of Champions 2. It's not Castlevania Symphony of the Night. (laughs) It's really not Demon's Crest. I can't believe you would disrespect the integrity of our podcast this way. (laughs) It's not 3x3i. It's not Gran Turismo Sport. Is that your new catchphrase, Courier? You've disrespected the integrity of our podcast. (laughs) The dishonor. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Dishonor. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, I'm not correcting you, but anyway, let's close up the cast. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, thanks everyone for joining. Bye. We'll see you in a while. <laughs> Bye-bye. Johnny. Thanks to Schnabubula for allowing the use of his incredible song, playing Super Mario World while taking mushrooms. As always, thank you for listening to the podcast. Bye-bye.